Floors and floors of angel hair And ice cream castles in the air And feathers Hello everybody and welcome to the Spore the Warning podcast. This is review number 674 with a review of CODA. I'm Christopher Schneezy. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest films coming to a streaming platform near you. Um, this week, we are talking about a little film that came to Apple TV Plus this past weekend. And it's a film, actually, that Stephen and I caught uh, back at Sundance. Um, and it's one, in fact, that we thought we had done a full-fledged review for. Our actual plan for this evening was going to be just to record a new intro for it and then drop you into that review as it was back when we saw it live at the festival. Um, turns out we didn't do a standalone review for this film. We just included a small segment in it in our big like sort of omnibus episode where we covered all of Sundance uh, as a whole. Um, so this, this is just a fresh review. This is like a normal review for you guys. <laughs> Yeah, uh, fresh for one of us. The other one of us hasn't seen it since January, but is going to try his damnedest to sound like he remembers everything. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I, either way, I think this is um, it's a film that we both enjoyed back at the festival. Um, so hopefully you still feel the same way about it, even though <laughs> you haven't had anything uh, necessarily recently to change your mind about it. Um, and then hopefully, you know, it's still hit with the same weight that it had um, back when we saw it. Um, so any, anything you'd like to talk about before we jump into this episode, Stephen? Um, no, I, I think like that. So one thing that happened with this movie is it got raves at Sundance. This happens quite a bit. Like a movie will get a rave at Sundance, kind of unanimous praise. And then by the time it gets released, there will be more negative feedback, uh, like some critical negative feedback of, oh, I didn't, you know, I didn't like it. I didn't think it was a good movie. And then some feedback about representation and stuff. Uh, so we'll talk about it in the review, but I'll try to weave what I thought of it with trying to reconcile that with some of the negative reviews coming out now, because I think that it, it's just interesting to consider. And I was listening to our old review, too, to try to find, like, what did we say that I could imagine another person watching the movie latching onto that and having a negative reaction? Um, yeah. I don't know. It should be interesting. But the f the festival hype is for sure a real thing. Like, this was the first movie at Sundance that we watched, and I think we were just very happy to be <laughs> to be watching a, like, feel-good movie um, yeah, yeah, in a festival. Sure. Yeah. Um, well, uh, what do you say we get into it, Stephen? Mm -hmm. We're going to take a listen to the trailer for Coda, and then we're going to come back and give you all a review. Oh, sometimes I get a good feeling, yeah. You're the girl with the deaf family? Yeah. yeah. I just want to tell you right now. And you sing. Interesting. Something's got a hold on me here. What are you doing next year? Working with my family. Let me tell you now, I've got a feeling I feel so strange. I've been coaching for Berkeley College of Music. I can help you get a scholarship.
I want to do this. There are plenty of pretty voices with nothing to say. Do you have something to say? required to have a hearing individual on board at all times. I can't stay with you for the rest of my life. I've never done anything without my family before. So um, CODA is an acronym, and it stands for Child of Deaf Adult. And this story is about a young girl named Ruby, um, who is the one hearing child of a deaf family. Um, both parents are deaf, and her um, sister or her brother is as well. And she has sort of spent her whole life kind of just working with the family and sort of just being like a small sort of insular group. And um, she has this passion for singing and one day signs up for choir in school. And the music instructor, the choir instructor, sort of encourages her to maybe potentially go after uh, attending school at the Berklee College of Music. And that sort of um, brings her into, um, you know, pull between the life that she has set up for herself and the life that she might want to do that might not be with her family. Stephen Miller, what do you remember thinking about this film? (laughs) I remember uh, being just completely charmed by this movie. Um, Again, it was the first film of the festival. I remember we were trying to figure out how the Apple TV app would work, if there were going to be any hiccups. I remember sitting down with Joanna, hitting play, and just feeling really, really, really good. Um, This play is very much like a traditional family drama. Uh, In our little mini review before you said that it felt for the first half kind of like a tv movie and i definitely got that too where it felt very um disney channel almost it felt like look we're going to tell the story of a girl and her family we're going to set up all the kind of emotional struggles that she has and then get ready for the feel-good ending and at some point maybe about halfway through the movie it it pivoted into feeling much more emotionally like heart-wrenching than it had any right to be like it like it it became a much better movie than i would have expected going in and a lot of that i think has to do with the cast um i think amelia jones uh who plays the the main character here is fantastic like i think she she is someone who should be like a brie larson level star easily like someone who can just kind of carry a movie and be very emotive um and i was completely charmed by her uh her family we both latched on to uh, the dad played by Troy Kotzer <laughs> uh, and the mom, Marley Matlin, uh, and just the dynamic that they have, the the way they bring, you know, like deaf acting to the masses and like deliver very comedic improvised uh, lines uh, in sign language. I, I thought they were just like really, really hilarious together. And there are so many 
touching, touching moments of a family coalescing around their daughter, trying to empathize with what she's going through, but also feeling a bit alienated by what she's going through that really, really moved me a lot. Um, I'm a sucker for music, and this movie has at least two big musical moments that are kind of tear-jerky. Um, one is a performance of You're All I Need to Get By that kind of cuts between the performance and then her family watching the performance in a way that it is really moving in very Sound of Metal type ways. And another is a performance of both sides now at the end of the movie, which I swear to God, I listened to that song like a hundred times in the weeks <laughs> after after watching this. Um, yeah, I like. I thought it was really cute, really, really, really heartwarming. And if traditional in its kind of narrative construct, elevated by a really, really good cast and also by like representation that I don't normally see of showing the lives of a deaf family and letting them interact with each other in a way that is natural and not just like we're going to nod to the fact that this person is deaf. Like, no, we are going to give them arguments and inside jokes and a whole kind of a whole life in this movie. Um, so I was really, really touched by it. And I think even when I watched it, I was hedging a little in terms of like, I can't objectively analyze it. I don't know. It's the festival thing, but I, it totally won me over. So I'm very curious to hear from you watching it a second time, uh, how, how you felt then and how you feel now. Yeah. I think that, um, you know, watching it a second time, I know, well, let me back up. When we originally talked, one of the things that we talked about was that when you watch this film, you know exactly all the beats it's going to hit because oh, yeah. it kind of lays all its cards on the table. It's very formulaic, but it's doing the formulaic thing in um, in a very, very earnest way. And, and just like, as you said, like it charms the pants off you, you know, as you watch it, you just can't help but be drawn in by this family and the interactions and, and their goals and what's going on. And even though the story or sorry, the film tonally can feel pretty cheesy at times. Like, you know, as we said, the Disney Channel, Channel movie type type situation where it feels like some of the ancillary characters are just, they're not like fully fleshed out characters. Like there are no other characters in this film. Like she is in a choir class that is full of other kids, but the other kids don't actually exist. They just sit in the background. Like, they might as well all be extras. I don't know, <laughs> as far as, like, acting contracts go, if singing counts as spoken dialogue um, or if they were literally counted as extras in this. But it's like no other child really has anything to do in this film. It's really just, um, you know, the lead, <laughs> her romantic interest, and then... Um, that that's basically it. Those are the only students at the school and her friend. Those are the only students at the school who really have to be there. Like there's lots of people around, but it feels like this could have almost been a COVID film where <laughs> where they were able to film with just really, really small groups of people and then try to flesh out this whole world. Um so all that being said, usually in a film, um the the second time around when I'm watching it because I know where it's going, I sort of just ride it and I don't feel like the narrative progression and where it goes. And I think this time around, what I realized is th this is kind of like an epic story. Like there, it's not just like a, oh, I want to do this thing and then I'm going to do this thing and then we'll see what happens. It's like there are good, there's like a, there's like two chunks of the film, right? This is like a two hour long film. And it's like one chunk is sort of just 
the story of the family. And the second chunk is like, what happens once she begins to focus herself on this other piece? And you kind of have this bouncing back and forth quite literally for the character and then figuratively for us, the audience of her spending the time with the family and then bouncing to um, over to this work she's doing to try to become a better singer and, you know, potentially audition to get into this uh, prestigious musical college. Um, and I, and I think that like the second time around, I, I still went on the journey and rather than being like, oh, cool, it's hitting all the beats I knew it was, I was able to like spend more time in each of these segments and kind of sit with them a little bit longer. And I think that in the end, I kind of enjoyed it a little bit more. Like I was less put off by the, the Disney Channel-ness of some of the beginning parts because I knew, I, I knew I had faith in where we were going and I didn't have that fear like, oh God, first festival film, what's going on? And I was really able to just completely enjoy um, each of these things. I also, you know, we had, t we had talked before I rewatched it about some of the, the critical commentary about the film. Um, so it, it was hard not to watch it trying to think about that. But I, I think for me, I still, I still found the film really, really just, it, it's a sweet film about people who you can see in their interactions, how much they care about each other. And it's like, even when they're fighting, they're smiling with each other. Um, and I really, really just appreciated the dynamic of, of what this film brings to the table. Um, some of the things I talked about really, really enjoying um, back when we watched it, like re-listening to that, to that five minute or so review in the big episode was that like, I haven't really seen, you know, ASL acted in this way before. Like I've seen right. lots of things in which there's a character that is, you know, speaking with it. But this is the first time that it's like full body emotive experience of watching these people have really like tense fights with each other. And it's not, it's, you know, the thing I kept coming back to then was like, it's not somebody saying something profound. It's somebody feeling at you and also signing and you really like the emotion really comes through in a way that like no one can write dialogue that will hit you that way. Like you need to swell the music or you need like the tear in the eye. But in this just you see the physicality of the way the family is arguing or fighting or, you know, trying to hold each other up and stuff like that. And I, just, I think just that really shines in this film and makes it um, like a, a different kind of experience than what I am used to saying because you know, it's, it's not every day that you're, you're watching a film that is centered around a family that is completely deaf. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. One thing that I remember, and I wonder how it holds up for you, but one of the like Disney channel-y things that I felt in this movie is I felt the character of the music teacher played by Eugenio Derbez, he was I, I don't remember the exact details, but it felt like he approached every scene very much like a side character in a Disney Channel movie where he was like a little bit over the top and a little bit overly like, I'm going to be very, very empowering to you when the script requires it. And I'm going to be very, very negative toward you when the script requires it. And I, there was something about that character that felt like he was in a lesser or more cheesy movie to me. And I wonder how he held up now on, on second viewing. Um, I mean, on second viewing, he holds up the same way he did the first one, which is exactly what you're saying. Like, he is a lot of why I felt that way about the first the first film. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, also partly the 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 male, the, the love interest character. I kind of felt the same way. He feels like like in our little short review, you reminded me that he's the kid from Sing Street. And in Sing yep. Street, like he to it totally worked for me in this film. He's sort of 
a little bit of a wet blanket. <laughs> well, in and, Sing Street, you want him to be a wet blanket. You're, he's like the wet blanket you're rooting for breaking out of his shell. Here, you kind of want a hunk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In this movie, I'm kind of like him. <laughs> um, but but yeah, like I, I I think that like both those characters feel. I mean, especially the teacher. He he feels like in the way a Disney Channel show is stagey in, in in the way the vocals are delivered where it's like everything is a is a, like a mug to the audience where you're kind of like a character is going to walk in and there's going to be like a Ooh, kind of thing like yeah. it feels like like there should be a laugh track or something <laughs> that was film. way too accurate a, a sound effect <laughs> but you know you know what i mean though like it, it, i felt like yeah. when the teacher was there he was there was supposed to be a laugh track or yeah, some he's sort playing of to audience. a live studio audience that is not yeah. actually in the movie yeah yeah and and that never really sits with me. Um, there's some there's some key scenes that he participates in um, later on towards the end of the film, and there are people sitting in an audience who respond to him the way I respond to him throughout the entire film, which is kind of like, what is this guy doing? <laughs> yeah. Um, but but yeah, I I think that that didn't really that didn't get better with time with me. Um, but but I think it's it's fine because what the character's supposed to do is represent um the place she wants to be and the means to get there. So I, I don't really have a problem with this character though. Yep. Yeah, that makes sense. I what I'm curious about is if I were to rewatch it, if I would cry again in the three places that I cried the <laughs> the first time that I watched it. I think one thing so this movie in Sound of Metal, I mean very related. Like they Honestly, we watched them not that long after each other. Um, they both use some filmic moments to show you the POV of a person who like cannot hear what is going on, and they use that for emotional effect. It kind of is kind of beautiful and still to see action taking place without the normal like swell of music that would accompany it. Um, and what I do wonder having like i i link to you some criticism from a, a jenna beacom who is a deaf writer who like she also wrote about what she liked about the movie like representation i think across the board everyone is very happy that they got you know actual deaf actors to play the deaf family and they're yeah. portraying a whole life but what she brought up which i i am wondering now for this movie and for sound of metal is they both use the notion of not being able to hear as like a glaring absence of a thing. And it kind of makes you feel, wow, this would be very hard or it would be tragic to not be able to relate on this level. Um, in this movie, it is the father wants to hear her sing and can't. And there's a really lovely moment where he basically is with her as she sings and he's crying because he's getting a sense of it. Um, in, in Sound of Metal, it's a lot of it. You know, Riz Ahmed has just lost his hearing and there's yeah. a lot of really emotional moments of just the the stillness that come with that. And I think what I, what I wrestle with, obviously any, you know, a, a member of the deaf community is open to, you know, react to this movie however they want. What I can't tell is if the tear-jerking aspect of this for me, the tear jerking didn't flow through in a like, oh, how tragic for them way. It really felt like them being deaf and her being of hearing is the same thing that in any other movie about a teenager would be something about the teenager that doesn't fit with her family. And the movie is the same feeling of them bridging that divide out of love than it would be if 
it were any number of things like her wanting to be a whatever a wrestler and her family doesn't support it or her wanting to be a you know i don't you know pick your pick your kids movie um yeah and that's kind of what i would wrestle with on second viewing is i don't i don't feel like the emotional beats of this movie like her singing and signing to her family or her family being a part of this but also feeling excluded i feel like they would be the same if they substituted being deaf and being a singer for any other gap between a family. But I also don't know, like maybe it does hit differently because something inside of me sees this as a more profound disconnect. Um, so that, that's just something I was wrestling with. Cause like I was forwarding criticism to you and I was reading it and I can't parse in my heart. If my emotional reaction would be different if I were like, more familiar with the deaf community or if this is just one read of the movie and there are different ways to read it. Yeah. I, I think for me, the, the, the final singing song is the time singing song. The, the final singing number is where I still got emotional. Um, yeah. I think the back in that middle sequence, I was more thinking not even like intellectually trying to think about what it means versus the criticism that I was hearing. But in that moment, I was more paying attention to more of the trick because the first time I saw the film, you know, there is, you're watching a song and then suddenly the audio comes out. And then this time I was more thinking about like the fact that that cut out an audio is also mixed with a rack focus that goes from the stage to the family. And like, Mm -hmm. I, I was more thinking of like the other technical things that came along with, with what they decided to do to communicate that moment. Um, but, but I, I think, I mean, to kind of broaden it, it out more away, just talking about the criticism in general, like, I think the answer is yes. I think if we were f- more familiar with it, we might think about it differently. I like the way I want to justify some of the depictions in this film is that this is, this film is centered around a deaf family, but the story is not technically trying to center the deaf experience. We are seeing the family's, um, we are seeing how the family lives day to day through the eyes of a child who feels guilt that the thing that she is most passionate about is something her, she feels her parents can't understand. So whether Mm -hmm. that sort of tells um, audiences that like it, it like is the thesis of the film that I mean clearly the thesis of the film is not this but like I could see if if I could see the complaint if the film was depicting things in a way that made it seem like like people in the deaf community aren't capable of being able to appreciate somebody's singing talents in this way but I think that what the story is focused more on is the daughter's guilt that she thinks that she feels and also her mother her her mother had a specific upbringing right her mother was a model and that was sort of what she did and i don't think that her mother is incapable of caring about her daughter's passion i think it's more that the mother is confused why she would care like there is one line which i could see probably sparks some of the criticism which is the the mother has a line where she says something to the daughter to the effect of um if I was blind, would you want to be a painter? Which, right. like, that is sort of throwing things into the air that are, are, are kind of creating the situation in which you could complain about it. But I think for the most part, the, 
the way that Ruby feels is not something that the parents are necessarily putting onto her. It is that she feels this inherently on her own in the same way that her parents don't care what the people in town think about them, but she feels that she has to defend them against anybody who might tease them or not understand what what it's like. That is is a really good point because that also gets to, you know, they are... Uh, a family who catch fish. I was going to say fishermen. I don't know an ungendered word for fishermen. (laughs) Um, Her her father and brother are fishermen and they sell the fish. Um, And there are aspects of this movie in terms of haggling and in terms of being out on a boat that it, it does make it feel like, look, Ruby is needed. Ruby has added responsibilities. But I do think one good way to read the film is this is what she puts on herself as a teenage girl as a daughter who thinks she needs to defend her family from everyone and that the expectations of the outside world are you know the only thing that matter i do think there some of those situations are quite heightened but the movie is heightened like i kind of think the mitchells versus the machines is an interesting comparison for this where it is about a teenage daughter learning to love her family where at the beginning they are like larger than life. Like her dad and her mom both embarrass her in many different ways. And it is in a cartoonish way where if you said, yes, this is the real world, it would be like, oh, that is an irresponsible parent. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But the point of that movie is like, we are all going to come together and learn to love our differences, you know, and be a family that thrives on the fact that we don't need to be like everyone else. And I think this kind of plays in the same sandbox. It, it it would be interesting to consider a flip side version of this movie where the main character is a deaf person. And then we get to actually center like that experience rather than having yeah. the, the side characters who are usually kind of comic foils um, be the one, I don't know. It, it's interesting. I think it's totally valid criticism. I, I wonder how conflicted I would be on a rewatch and how many of the emotional beats I would like still tear up at and what I would yeah. like talk myself out of. Yeah, I, I think the the ending sort of emotional beat is impossible to talk yourself out of because what you are seeing is what is being chosen to do is not about making something acceptable for somebody else. It is about the truest expression of how you feel about a thing, right? Yeah. It's like you can see you can see a transformation in what is happening in the person doing it. I'm trying to be really, really yeah. <laughs> gauging about this. But like you are you are you you see like it's literally a, a, a before and after in the moment where decisions made suddenly the everything about what is happening is heightened and better for all parties involved. Um, so, yeah. so I don't see that as like a, you know, and also th- <laughs> there's like no way to talk about it without just saying it, but there are some people who try to participate um, against what they're supposed to be doing, who didn't know <laughs> when they went in there that they weren't going to be able to get what they get out of it. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so it's like they, like they had already made the decision that it was good enough. And then what they get is a special sort of thing that happens. And like, I, I don't know. I, I yeah. think it's, I think that's still, 
it's cheesy, but I think it works for those characters. Like it, it, it kind of mirrors an earlier scene um, where the teacher asks her to um, explain how singing makes her feel. And even in that moment, when it's just her and the teacher, she still chooses one way to express how she feels versus mm-hmm. another way. So I think it's, yeah. it's consistent in what we've seen and isn't contingent upon the family. So I think that like the film is still doing there what it wants to without trying to say anything about, um, about whether it's a deaf or a hearing audience. Yeah, no, I think, I think that makes sense. I also think again, it's just in the, in the logic of a family film and being about a teenage girl grappling with independence versus love of her family. And it is an outpouring of feeling for her family that that she is showing in that moment. Yeah. And yeah, I like, I wonder if aside from the criticism from some members of the deaf community, I've also just in general seen a few people cough, Dave Chen cough, um, (laughs) reference this movie as like, I can't believe this got rave reviews. I didn't blah, 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 you know, um, and I do wonder if the movie being like the biggest festival purchase of all time and then being released under that, like in that context, does it a disservice? Because this really is, I think, a very, very good family movie, a very, very good movie that flows like a, you know, Disney Channel movie would flow, including the highs and lows, including the kind of obvious beats, including the centering of a teenage girl and her feeling about other people rather than making all other people also be like three-dimensional individuals. And I don't know. It's kind of like the curse of a movie that gets hype out of a festival is it it sets itself up to be disappointing to people who want it to be something that it isn't. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's true, but I enjoyed what it was. Yeah. I mean, I I think, I think there's a lot to enjoy about it. Like this isn't, this isn't the deepest drama that you've seen. Um, you know, but it, 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 like it, it knows what it is and it's, that's exactly what it's going for. Like it wants to play in that space and it's doing so in a way that is really just about joy and having fun and, you know, a little bit of sadness here and there. And, and you know, just trying to figure out what to do as a child who feels that you've been there for your family forever and that they rely on you more than they, ne- they might necessarily need to. Um, yeah. Like part of the, like one of the conflicts in the film is between not between her and her parents, but her and her brother who is upset that she would even think about sacrificing her dreams to help yep. the family when he is 100% capable of doing anything that she's going to do for her family. And, like, he, he's, he's, like, mad at her because she... It's like, it's, like a, it's like a combination of, like, upset that everybody thinks she's so great, but also upset that, like, she thinks she needs to put in the, the the time when the family like made it fine before she was born <laughs> and, yeah. and, you know, has been making it fine with her help. Yeah. But I think some of the, you know, to go back into about some of the, to, to kind of lump back in some of the, the criticisms and talk about like um, what, 
what you are or aren't capable of as a deaf person. Like, I think this film does pretty well at showing that, like, the family is 100% capable of being Fisher people. Um, and the problem is outsiders placing upon them restrictions and regulations that they have to adhere to that mm. are just bureaucracy and like like literally like this like forget the stuff you talk about with the haggling but there there is like there is uh bodies of governance over the water right that enforce on them rules that don't actually affect their fishing capabilities or anything like that that they are struggling with and all the people in the film realize that that's bullshit. And I think the audience mm-hmm. realizes that, that that's bullshit too. Like the characters are all saying it. Everybody agrees that it's dumb. And the villains are basically saying like, no, you need a person on the boat who can answer radios. Right. Like it's, yep. it's a, I, I think there is a clear distinction of the film. What is, what is society placing their beliefs upon the family versus the family's actual living through the world? that makes mm-hmm. sense yeah yeah no i think I, I think i buy that i i do also if i remember eh, i don't want to spoil the resolution uh of that but i feel like in the universe of the movie that is a burden that is unnecessary but it also is like and we can meet it you know we don't need our daughter to <laughs> yeah, yeah. sacrifice in order to meet it which does get back to what you said about the brother too and it makes me think of the brother from Sing Street, which I don't remember how long ago you watched that movie, but he is kind of the like older brother character who is basically like, get, get out of here. Like go, (laughs) you know, like live your life. It's fine. You know, stop trying to stay here. Um, And I think that is another kind of stock, but like good stock character in one of these coming of age dramas of the, like, you don't need to, commit your life to your family like you can broaden your horizons and do something else cool um any last thoughts about this film steven not really i'm glad i had an episode worth of things to say (laughs) (laughs) this is like i don't know if this is a record because we have definitely done some movies that like came out at Cannes and then were premiered for real later seven months might be the record though i don't know it uh it's a long time since watching a movie and having to talk about a movie. I'd <laughs> uh, be like, if we, if we just did another review of State Like Sleep or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just for no reason. I think we referenced that movie enough, though, that I still remember it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, well, we're going to uh, transition into our verdicts now. So, Stephen Miller, if you were going to give this a must-see, record with the caveat, wait for until pass with the caveat, or a must-avoid, what would you give it? So I have to be true to my original self uh, and give this a must-see. I I was very taken with this movie. I think it was probably my number three out of Sundance. I forget if we did a formal ranking at the end of that Omnibus episode or not. Um, I don't remember either. It was was definitely a movie that got me, you know, got the waterworks flowing, um, definitely hit me in a good place. And yeah, I, I really loved it. I... I wonder now in a world where it is receiving some criticism, if I were to watch it again and then feel a little bit less taken by the movie, 
Um, so I, there's maybe a future version of me that would be like recommend with a caveat, but the, the high that I felt on opening night of Sundance was, was real. And that was definitely a must see feeling. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to continue forward the uh, must see for it. Um, but like, as you're saying, it is pretty interesting to try to, to try to lump in the criticism that we are hearing. Cause honestly, like one of the things i like about this film is the, depiction of the deaf family because yeah. as i've said already and i think both ep- both reviews now is that like it's doing something with the family much more different than what say i mean and obviously you know sound of metal is somebody who is suddenly losing it like over the course of a couple nights um so it's like a different sort of experience but like the depiction of the family and how their day-to-day works and what it would be like for a child living at home and just the experience of when the parents know you're there versus not there, <laughs> which um, is used to uh, spawn some fun conversations to the family that are on. Um, it, it is, it is at least something that makes you think about that in a way that you might not in other films with deaf characters. So I can see how, how it's putting enough effort forward to show it that getting that representation correct is something that would be pretty important because it is going to make people consider and think about things in ways that they might have not before. Um, so yeah, it, it is, it is interesting to think about that. Um, a lot, I think a lot of the criticisms out there do dive directly into spoilers. Um, so it'd be worth seeing yeah, the film would, and then looking at it, but it would be interesting yeah, to, it would, it would be tough it'd be tough to read some of the criticism before watching the movie if you don't want the big emotional beats to be spoiled. Yeah, yeah. But it, but it is interesting to, to like see the film on your own, read the criticisms, and then rewatch it. I think there is value in there to see um, how you take those different observations about the family. So, mm-hmm. But yeah, I think that's going to do it for this review of Coda. Um, so, uh, Stephen Miller, if people want to find it out the week, where can they do that? Uh, if people want to find me, they can go to twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. People can find me at christophermiller.com or twitter.com slash christopherirl. You can find the podcast over at thespoilerwarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can do so on Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. If you want to know the episodes go live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash spoilerwarning, facebook.com slash thespoilerwarning, or instagram.com slash thespoilerwarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com, or you can use the contact form on our site. Music for this episode will come from the soundtrack, Dakota, so hopefully you are enjoying that. Um, Stephen called it last episode, well, one of the last episodes that was recorded, maybe not the one that's in the feed yet, um, but it, it'll be there by the time you're listening to this, so it still applies. Um, funny how time works. Um, but essentially, A24 is having a one-night-only screening of The Green Knight. So Stephen and I will be back soon with a review of The Green Knight. Um, So look forward to that. And uh, Good things come for those who wait. I thought, (laughs) I knew, I knew if I had just stayed home, it would come to me. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so... Threatening to cut off my head. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that's it for this week. And uh, we'll see you all soon. Bye. See ya.